Welcome to Eccentric Earth, the podcast where I, your host, Amy Walker, delve into stories from across history with a guest who has no idea what the topic's going to be. Except for today. Yeah. <laughs> this time, you do know, because, Han, we're here for the second part of the John McCain epic. And not just because I guessed. No, not just because you guessed, which you did do. Well done. I am so smart. Yeah. And as as you pull back the curtain... In the last episode, we are recording this straight after the last one. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're aiming for all three in one go, but we'll see how it goes. So if if you hear us really flagging by the end of this and then the start of the next episode, we've got a lot of energy. You know, there's been a break. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, join us for the next episode. And then the next episode is, hey, welcome back. Yeah, there's been a day between it. <laughs> So I would normally do the how have you been, but it's it's complete bollocks and lies. So we we can just jump straight I in think, if, if that's cool with you. Yeah, the same as it, same as I was two hours ago. So yep, I'm good to go. So last time we had the military career of John McCain, and now he and his wife Cindy have moved to Arizona, so he can begin his political career. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cheer that because I'm pretty sure he's going to make political decisions that I disagree with. Oh, I don't know where you get that idea from. Yeah, Except you probably know, stuff you to... already know about, but <laughs> I'm sure there's stuff that I don't know about that I will also disagree with. <laughs> probably. So having moved to Phoenix in March nineteen eighty one, McCain went to work for Hensley and Co., his new father in law Jim Hensley, large beard distributor. He was made vice president of public relations. He had little interest in the beer industry itself and instead preferred to talk to colleagues about current events. In carrying out this job, he was able to gain political support amongst the local business community, all while looking for an electoral opportunity. Oh, okay. So he didn't move to Arizona because there was a seat open. He did move to Arizona because his father-in-law gave him a job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have mentioned that in the last episode, but... I, I I forgot that bit because, you know, this is page 10 of 30, so fuck off. You know, I'm not going to remember everything. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, my, my point still stands, though, that people do do that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, that, that definitely happens. John Jacob Rhodes Jr. announced his retirement in January 1982 after 30 years in Congress. This seat encompassed the East Valley portion of the Phoenix metropolitan area and was very close to where the McCains lived. Rose suggested that McCain first run for the Arizona legislature to gain more experience, but McCain had no interest in slowly working his way up. <laughs> Fair enough, I suppose. It's like, nah, I'm just going to the top. I don't need experience. Anybody can be president. 
Unfortunately, I'm not even being sarcastic because now, yeah, yeah, because that's now painfully true. It's a sad fact that, that, you know, I would have preferred John McCain be president. I would have preferred a subhuman monster to become president because even that would be better than what we have. I say we, it's not our country, but it does affect us. It does affect us. It affects everyone, yeah. which is even more it horrifying. Affect- He's not my leader of the free world. You know, we, we never have any choice in what you Americans do, but it does affect. I mean, I know that the rest of the world doesn't exist to you, but sadly, you do exist to the rest of the world. Anyway, let's talk about a different. I did. Uh, at first, I did think that you that you might um, be doing Trump. <laughs> but But then because I know that you know that I listen to the dial-up, it wouldn't be something that I don't know anything about. Yeah. And I, I've not. I've not experienced the the dollop, the Trump dollop yet, so I wouldn't want oh, to spoil that. Plus, right, you know, if ever I do do Trump, not only would it not be you, but also I want to wait until, you know, you can include Donald Trump was impeached on this day or Donald Trump was assassinated on this day. You know, I'd like I'd like a nice ending to the story. <laughs> you know what though, I um, I don't want him assassinated. No. I really, really don't want him assassinated. Happens, One because I'm fine with it. He should pay. No, no, no. You shouldn't be because one. I, I personally, you know, I'm, I'm against. I'm against death, but um, I'm anti-death. Um, one, I think he should pay for his crimes. Mm. But two, if he is assassinated, that will galvanise the outright. Yeah, and it'll make him a martyr. Yeah, yeah, it'll make him a martyr to the outright, and they would play that for all it is fucking worth. That the liberals, because I mean, the whole message that liberals are dangerous terror um, is already got traction. So, so yeah, and it wouldn't even change gun control. No. So no, I don't want him assassinated. Um, I think impeachment is also a concern because Pence is, in a lot of ways, worse yeah. than Trump. Although, if um, I, have you listened to the episode I did with Addy and Hannah? Mm, which one was that uh, robert small oh no because because towards the end of that um I, I spoke with hannah um about trump and impeachment and stuff and she was saying how if trump got impeached yes it would lead to a pence presidency unless trump was impeached for something that in a way included pence like if it's part of yeah. you know the electoral campaign which pence was a part of and stuff like that, you know it could knock out both of them so that there is conceivably a way of Trump being impeached and no pence as well. Yes, that would be that would be the ideal solution. Yeah. But first of all, everyone needs to vote in November to get to to take back Congress and the House. Yeah, hopefully they will. But you know, I turned around and said, "Oh, they're never going to vote Brexit," and it happened. And oh, they're never going to vote Trump, and it happened. So at this point, I'm like. Fuck it, I'm not going to think hopeful about elections anymore. <laughs> I'm still going to go I, out I, I, and I, vote the way I think I should and everything, but I'm not going to think, ah, the worst case scenario will never happen because it, it just keeps happening. So <laughs> I'm not going to say that they are going to vote right because... No. I, I, was pretty, I was pretty convinced that Brexit was going to happen, but most of that was based on, at the time, I was... I was um, I like in the in the month or, or eight 
eight weeks prior to that, I'd, I'd driven round a fair a fair amount, kind of sort of quite quite long distances, and I had seen probably ninety five percent pro Brexit signage and barely any anti Brexit signage, just kind of like in public spaces on public roads and things like that, and that made me think. They're winning the propaganda battle, and they did. They won the proper. You know, it's blatantly fucking obvious that they they won the propaganda battle. Mm. And I think that that that's part of the that part of the problem is that in general the left agenda are, are for the most part more honourable in the way they conduct business, in the way that they conduct politics, and the way that they conduct campaigns. They are a touch more honourable and a touch less likely just to do a bold faced lie for vote. Yeah. God, politics is great. <laughs> she says before another hour of talking politics. Theresa May, did you see this yesterday? Theresa May says uh, no deal Brexit would not be the end of the world. No, it wouldn't be the end of the world, but it would really fuck us up. Especially not. <laughs> no, no. I, and and, and you, she was probably just talking about herself because <laughs> yeah. she will be fine. Yeah. Fucking troll woman. Mm. as someone who identifies as female it's really fucking annoying that both female leaders of britain have been complete fucking monsters and are awful it doesn't set a good track record merkel angela merkel's our lady yeah she's awesome anyway should we get back to mccain please do so mccain ran for the seat as a republican and formally announced his candidacy in late march 1982 he faced three candidates in the Republican primary, all of whom had entered the race before him. They were Senate, State Senator Jim Mack, State Representative Donna Carlson-West, and a veterinarian and active civic figure, Ray Russell. During the spring, McCain and his wife campaigned door-to-door, six hours a day, six days a week. The schedule, combined with his hair colour, led to him being nicknamed the White Tornado. <laughs> It's a bit better than his last nickname, though. So, Crip to White Tornado. Yeah, it's, it's an improvement. Tornadoes often take Sundays off. <laughs> Even tornadoes <laughs> respect God's day. <laughs> no, because tornadoes are God's punishment for homosexuality. I thought that was floods. Oh, <laughs> tornadoes has to be something else. I think all I think all all um, God disasters are punishment. Punishment. Yeah. He was assisted on his campaign by George Day, his former POW cellmate and Day's wife, who were familiar with legal and procedural matters. His supporters were dubbed the McCain Navy, and he stressed his familiarity with the ways of Washington and how his role as a Navy Senate liaison had helped bring a defence contract to district. Still, as a newcomer to the state, McCain was hit with repeated charges of being a carpetbagger, Finally, at a candidate's forum, he gave a famous refutation to a voter making the charge. He said, Listen, pal, I spent 22 years in the Navy. My father was in the Navy. My grandfather was in the Navy. We in the military service tend to move around a lot. We have to live in all parts of the country, all parts of the world. I wish I could have had the luxury, like you, of growing up and living and spending my entire life in a nice place like the 1st District of Arizona, but I was doing other things. As a matter of fact, when I think it over now, the place I lived longest in my life was Hanoi. <laughs> Snap! That is a hell of a comeback. <laughs> yeah. 
Phoenix Gazette columnist John Kolb would later label this the most devastating response to a potentially troublesome political issue I've ever heard. Mm. McCain's campaign fell into early debt, and his wife began loaning him tens of thousands of dollars to keep it alive. Donations also came in from Jim Hensley and other Hensley and co executives, but the amounts grew large enough that the Federal Election Commission forced some of it to be returned. By the close of the primary, McCain was able to outspend his opponents. More than half of his primary expenditures were financed by the eventual $167,000 his wife lent to the campaign. The spending advantage made itself felt in television advertising, including a highly effective two-minute mini-documentary that presented him as a new leader for Arizona with a record of service to the country. The ad was later described as the best political commercial Arizona had seen. Yeah, well, he worked out that money wins in uh, Mm -hmm. American politics. And he had a great angle to push as well, the the whole war hero thing and... Yeah. McCain was endorsed by Senator John Tower, a friend and mentor of his of his from his liaison stint, who in turn got McCain the endorsement from former Arizona governor and senator Paul Fannin. Arizona Senator Barry Goldwater was officially neutral in the race, but many of his aides were working for McCain's opponents. Goldwater himself was said to view McCain as a political opportunist, despite admiring his military service. Well, yeah, he was a political opportunist. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not wrong. (laughs) McCain won the highly contested primary election on September 7th, 1982, getting 32% of the vote, compared to Russell's 26, Max 22, and Carlson West's 20%. As expected, he skated to victory in the general election two months later, defeating Democrat William Hergerty, someone, by 66% to 31. (laughs) His POW background, social skills, and contacts from his Navy Senate liaison job made him popular and a star among the new House members. After strenuously lobbying lobbying the Republican leadership, he was assigned to the Committee on Interior Affairs. He coveted this assignment because he wanted to develop expertise on issues relevant to his state, including water rights, public land management, and Native American affairs. Mm -hmm. He was also assigned to the Select Committee on Aging, which was important due to Arizona's large retired population, and eventually to to the chairmanship of the Republican Task Force on Indian Affairs. He fulfilled a campaign pledge to return to his congressional district every weekend, making 47 trips in his first year. On them, he frequently met with constituents and made many public appearances. I am just gonna, I am just gonna point out that he did have a, a wife who was eighteen years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that probably brought him home as well. I was gonna say uh, this, combined with his wife's decision to live in Arizona rather than to move to Washington, helped solidify his political base in Arizona. So yeah, he was coming home to see the missus. Was basically, yeah, <laughs> she stayed much. there. <laughs> On the taxpayer's dime. Yep. McCain sponsored a number of Indian Affairs bills dealing mainly with distribution of lands to reservations and tribal tax status. Most of these bills were unsuccessful. In August 1983, he voted against 
a bill making Martin Luther King Jr. Day a federal holiday. Did he give his reasons? Yes. I'm assuming you don't have them. Oh, okay. McCain said at the time that Dr. King shouldn't be memorialised because presidents were not recognised, and citing costs as another reason for his dissenting vote. The measure was signed into law later that year. McCain's politics at this point were mainly in line with those of President Ronald Reagan, who McCain would later describe as his greatest political influence. <laughs> yeah, not, not a great influence. The one, well, I mean, also, you know, I think Reagan was never really known for his politics. You know, nobody says Reagan, oh, you know, one of the greatest political minds. No. McCain also supported Reaganomics. He was in favour of school yeah. prayer and opposed abortion. Uh, yeah, I told you, this is the fun stuff. Mm. He subscribed to most aspects of the foreign policy of the Reagan administration, including its hardline stance against the Soviet Union. He also supported the Reagan administration's policy towards Central American conflicts, including the invasion of Grenada in 1983, and US support for the for the Contras in Nicaragua. During the early 1980s, he served on the board of the US Council of, for World Freedom, a chapter of the World Anti-Communist League, which was an international group that, among other things, aided the rebels in Nicaragua. McCain suspected the yeah. council of illegal activity and resigned in 1983. You okay? You, yeah, you, you're, yeah. you're making size. I didn't know if you're going to jump in and say something. <laughs> yeah. How anyone could just be thinking that arming the rebels mm. good idea. And I bet it's not the last time that he votes that way either. But there's there's never gonna be an instance in history where America would turn around and arm a rebel insurgency in I don't know, let's say Afghanistan and, and then it come round in the future and bite them in the ass. You know, it's it's never gonna happen. I'm, I'm sure these ideas are, are perfectly sound. Yeah. In 1983, McCain voted against a resolution allowing President Reagan to keep US Marines deployed as part of the multina multinational task force in Lebanon on the grounds that he did not foresee obtainable objectives in Lebanon. After the catastrophic Beirut barracks bombing a month later, this stance against his party and president gained him national media exposure and started his reputation as a political maverick. <coughs> you okay? Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, you are not going to like a lot of this, unfortunately. <laughs> and I'm probably, there's probably just going to be a lot of... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> McCain won re-election to the House easily in 1984, facing no Republican primary opposition and defeating Democrat Harry W. Braun with 78% of the vote. That's a pretty high percentage. Yeah, there, there is no sort of room for error on that, really. It's, yeah. it's, it's pretty, pretty clear. Mm -hmm. In this and subsequent Arizona campaigns, McCain rarely emphasised his Vietnam and prisoner of war experiences. So he's moving away from the whole war hero image now and trying to run yeah. just on his political career mm -hmm. in the new term McCain gained a spot on the House Foreign Affairs Committee in addition to his existing assignments 
he got the Indian Economic Development Act of 1985 signed into law, and the following year worked on early attempts at legalisation regarding Indian gaming. He took moderate stands on the environment and on social issues, and applauded Jack Kemp's concerns for African Americans and other underprivileged groups. In 1985, he returned to Vietnam with Walter Cronkite for a CBS News special, and saw the monument put up next to where the famous drowned air pirate Macan had been pulled from the Hanoi Lake. Oh, what? Yeah, they the they North Vietnamese put a monument to him at the lake for the air pirate Macan. <laughs> That's got to be a weird thing to stumble across. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I understand that it was a big thing for them to capture him and all that, but yeah, to be like, hey, come back to Vietnam and then look at this monument to your capture. That's got to be a weird thing to process. I didn't even spell my name right. <laughs> yeah, although Air Pirate, I would accept that. Yeah. I would accept that because that just sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. This was the first of several return trips McCann would make to Vietnam. In ni- McCain. McCann. He's McCann. <laughs> In 1986, McCann voted... No, I'm going to stop that now. <laughs> In 1986, McCain voted to override Reagan's veto of the Comprehensive Anti-Apartheid Act that imposed sanctions against South Africa. In 1984, McCain and his wife had their first child together, a daughter, Megan. Although it'd been America, Megan, probably. She was followed in 1986 by a son, John Sidney IV, known as Jack, and in 88 by a son called James. In 1991, Cindy McCann... I could call him McCann now. McCain brought an abandoned three-month-old girl who badly needed medical treatment for a severe cleft palate to the US from a Bangladeshi orphanage run by Mother Teresa. The McCains decided to adopt her and named her Bridget. That's a... I wonder how she got involved with that. Yeah. I I have no idea. I wasn't able to find out. Mm. And also, I had no idea they had an adopted daughter from a mother Teresa orphanage that's something you thought would come up more i'm going to be honest (laughs) yeah a drawn-out adoption process began slowed down by uncertainty over the exact fate of her father but in 1993 the adoption was ruled as final in 19 oh is this sorry yeah just just wondering whether it's going to turn out that her father isn't isn't is still alive if that is something, it's not something I come across. Okay. So Br- Bridget kind of never comes up again. But Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I assume it's all good. In 1994, McCain stood by his wife when she disclosed a previous addiction to painkillers and said that she hoped the publicity would give other drug addicts courage in their struggles. In 1986, McCain decided to run for United States Senator for Arizona when longtime American conservative icon Barry Goldwater retired. No Republican would oppose McCain in the primary, and according to his press secretary, McCain's political strength convinced his most formidable possible Democratic opponent, Governor Bruce Babbitt, not to run for the seat. So he ran unopposed? Yes. Oh. Which you should not be allowed to do. No. Especially not, I'm, I'm right, yeah, there's no term limits for senators, are there? No. But do you have to keep... Yeah, you do keep having to win the seat, though, every election. Yeah, but you can keep doing it. Like, 
Yeah, but you can keep doing yeah, it. Yeah, you can go and be a senator for decades as long as you keep winning. Yeah, and if you ran, and if he, and once he's in the seat, it's going to make it less likely for other people to to run against him. Oh no, wait, there, there's a follow up sentence there. So he didn't run unopposed. Okay, um, it's just. Babbitt was the politician with the best chance of winning. He decided not to run. Oh, right. Instead, McCain faced a weaker opponent, Richard Kimball, a young politician with an offbeat personality who slept on the floor of his office and who McCain allies in the press characterised as having terminal weirdness. (laughs) Oh, wow. I wish I I would live for somebody to characterise me like that. I'm just going to check something. Oh no, I was thinking Richard Kimball. Richard, is that not Arnie's character from Kindergarten Cop? But that's John Kimball. So, no, I was thinking um, the Fugitive. Was that the Fugitive? Richard Kimball. Yeah. Ah. Oh. <laughs> that's why he's so weird because he's obsessed with the one-armed mm. man. Yep. I just got images of McCain what? running against uh, Harrison Ford. Now, do you want to know? Some- do you want to know something really weird though? Mm-hmm. This is how my brain works. I have never seen the Fugitive. <laughs> Oh. And yet I know the main character's name. And I've seen that film like two or three times and I was didn't gonna say, I bet me. you've seen it. Have seen him at Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> Good, at least you've <laughs> seen wouldn't that. Have, I wouldn't have known what the character's name was if you paid me. In the end, McCain won against Kimball with 60% of the vote. Which, considering his last one, he won with 78. And this is against a guy described as having terminal weirdness. 60% isn't the victory I was expecting there. No. I thought... And it makes you think that if, if Babbitt had run, yeah. he might have actually won. Mm-hmm. But they, they scared he's him. not terminal. They, they psyched him out. Mm. A New York Times profile at the time said that McCain seemed poised to emerge as a significant figure in national politics. Upon entering the Senate in 1987, McCain became a member of the Senate Armed Services Committee which he had formerly done his Navy liaison work for. He was also given positions on the Commerce Committee and the Indian Affairs Committee. And during his first two years in the Senate, he sat at the candy desk. Is that where you get free candy? Mm, Kind of. Whichever senator sits there has to make sure the desk is always full of candy from their state so that any other senator can come up and just have candy. That's weird. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, when I was when I when I was working at the college, I always used to have chocolate and painkillers. And if anybody ever needed chocolate or painkillers, I could always. But it wasn't like a I want a chocolate bar. But you know, sometimes sometimes you need chocolate. Mm. So I always had a stash of um, emergency chocolate and emergency painkillers. I've um, I've just sent you a a picture of the uh, the candy desk. Oh. Oh, so it's oh okay. So oh right, okay. So it's the de- it sorry, it's the desk actually in the Senate. Yeah, yeah, literally in the yeah. Senate floor they can come up and just get yeah. candy. I quite like that idea. Yeah. Apparently it it's free, you know, people can just come up and get candy, but only senators. No other staff or employees, just the senators. Not even the president. Oh, I wonder if they'd make an exception for the president. <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's why Ronald Reagan had his jelly beans, because he was jealous of the candy desk. That that works for me. I'm, I'm going with that explanation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> McCain often supported the Native American agenda, advocating economic development and self-governance, as well as sovereignty and tribe controls of adoptions. He said, 
never deceive them. They have been deceived too many times in the last 200 years. Wow. Along with Senator Daniel... Why do I do this? Why do I include names I can't pronounce? That's a weird surname. Yeah. Along with two other senators. <laughs> what, how do you how do you what's how do you spell a surname? Uh, I'll send you this one. Daniel In Inouye 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 Is he Native American? Uh, he's from Hawaii. Uh, so he's a Hawaii native. So I feel really bad for these people that I can't pronounce their names. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go with Senator Daniel Inouye. It, it, According to Wiki. And Representative Mo Udall. Kane was one of the main drafters of the 1988 Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, which confided rules regarding Native American gambling enterprises and established the balance between Indian tribal sovereignty and regulatory oversight by the states of such activity. After its passage... I don't know, I don't know too much about... Um, the whole sort of res- reservation Native American casino things in America. But it does sort of strike me that, I don't know, it does seem like just another way for the white man to exert control. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I know a lot of um, Native American individuals and tribe, certain tribes have become very, very rich off mm. the the gambling and casinos and stuff, but yeah, it, it, you know, this was put together by mostly white guys. I can't help but feel there's something in there screwing them over somehow. Well, even the fact that, you know, that the whole reservation thing that, yeah, okay, so we took the entire nation off you, but you can have these small parcels of land and you can have sovereignty over those small parcels of land. We're not going to give you sovereignty over the nation because, you know, we've stole it from you, so it's ours now. Um, but you can have this patch of dirt and you can gamble on it. Because we're nice. Because mm. I'm pretty. I'm. I. I. I might be wrong, but it. Um. I. I. I seem to recall as well that reservations are generally on really, really poor. Yeah. Land. You know, not farming. Don't have any minerals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not exactly self determination if the only thing you can do is build casinos. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure there's a lot of bad stuff going on with this. Hmm. After the passage of the bill, McCain stated his personal opposition to Indian gaming, but said that when communities under poverty are faced with only one option for economic development, and that is to set up gambling on their reservations, then I cannot disapprove. Right. So, okay. So that, yeah. So they were basically given such piss poor land that yeah, it was the only economic thing they could do. Mm-hmm. Plus, in America, aren't there certain states where you just cannot gamble and stuff? So... If there's, I'm guessing if there's Native American reservations in those states where it's legal to gamble on those reservations, it kind of becomes like a, a very popular place to go because, hey, let's go oh, there, we can yeah. gamble. So it would definitely, yeah, it's, it's that, literally the only way they can make money because they're offering something nowhere else in the state would give. Yeah, and that's why some of them have become incredibly rich yeah. because of the um, state's, state gambling laws mm. and stuff. But it's very telling as well that he says, I don't approve of Indian gambling. So so he's all right with white people gambling, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, the fact that he said he opposes Indian gaming rather than yeah. gambling. Yeah, that's... Mm. Unfortunately, that was not the first seemingly racist comment slash decision he's made. And yeah, 
there's going to be a few more like that. So wouldn't surprise if it's slightly racially motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, the act enabled the growth of what would become two decades later a $23 billion gaming industry. And McCain was labelled as one of the founding fathers of Indian gaming. Martin Luther King Jr. Day had become a big issue in McCain's home state when Governor Evan Meacham making opposition to his signature stance. McCain had continued its opposition to the holiday by supporting Meacham's rescinding of the Arizona holiday for King in 1987. So in 1987, Arizona decided to get rid of it. In 1988, Meacham was impeached and removed from office due to felony charges. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> a little bit of karma. Do you know what you did? Um, Do you know what you did? I can find out. Uh, we just have a quick look because that won't take long to find. Okay, so on October 21st, 1987, the Arizona Republic newspaper ran a story claiming that Meachin had failed to report $350,000 loan from local real estate developer. These claims were added to a grand jury investigation into allegations that he had loaned $80,000 in public funds to his own auto dealership. Um, So he ended up being charged with three counts of perjury, two counts of fraud, one count of failing to report campaign contributions against him and his brother, and they faced 22 years in prison if convicted. The impeachment case went to... became a criminal case and went to trial... uh, they concluded that Meacham's lawyer's most successful strategy was keeping their clients off the witness stand. Uh, the jury found that prosecutors failed to provide the Meachams knowingly erred on their campaign reports, and they were both acquitted of all six felony charges. Ugh. But at least they got taken out of public office. No, I was just, I was hoping that they would end up in prison for 22 years, because then, you know... Yay. Yeah, but no. Well, no, also, I mean, you know, it's just another thing to rub in the face of Trump supporters. <laughs> What's going to happen to his um, team? So when he was impeached, McCain told Meacham, you should never have been elected. You're an embarrassment to the party. Oh. In 1989, McCain reiterated his opposition to the Martin Luther King Jr. Day holiday, but reversed position on the state holiday due to the economic boycotts and image problems Arizona was receiving as a result. Mm-hmm. Right. I love it when people do the right thing for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Uh, so he told Republicans opposing the state holiday, you will damn well do this. You will make this a holiday. You're making us look like fools. In 1990, a state referendum on enacting the holiday was held and McCain persuaded Ronald Reagan to support it. I've got a little bit here that's jumping slightly ahead because it still relates to the Martin Luther King Day. Mm -hmm. On April 4th, 2008, the 40th anniversary of Martin Luther King's death, McCain said the vote was wrong in a speech he gave in Memphis, uh, which was incidentally the city where Martin Luther King died. He said, We can be slow as well to give greatness its due, a mistake I myself made long ago when I voted against a federal holiday in memory of Dr. King. I was wrong. I was wrong, and I eventually realised it in time to give full support. Full support for a state holiday in my home state of Arizona. I'd remind you that we can all be a little late sometimes in doing the right thing, and Dr. King understood this about his fellow Americans. Oh, way to completely undercut your fucking point at the end there. <laughs> yeah. Blah, 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 blah. I'm okay. MLK would have forgiven me for it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that makes him okay. 
No. Because he very clearly only changed his mind because, oh shit, we're losing money. Yeah. How? Oh, oh, this next section. Okay, you, you thought that last stuff was bad. During the late 1980s, McCain gained some national visibility. In 1986, McCain made a joke about a woman enjoying being raped by a gorilla when speaking at a conference of the National League of Cities and Towns in Washington, D.C. <sighs> he asked the crowd if they have heard the one about the woman who was attacked on the street by a gorilla, beaten senseless, raped repeatedly and left to die. The punchline was, when she finally regains consciousness and tries to speak, her doctor leans over to her to hear her sigh contently and feebly ask, where is that marvellous ape? McCain later said he did not recall telling the joke. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. That, that'll that erase a horrific yeah, rape joke. That'll erase it, yeah. In that same year, at a college appearance, he referred to Arizona's Leisure World retirement community as Seizure World. What? Yeah. He also remarks that in previous elections, 93% of the people who lived there came out to vote. I think the other 3% were in intensive care. Wow. He, he ain't good at telling jokes on his tours. No. he's No, he's not good at telling jokes, and he's not good at telling good jokes, and he's not telling good jokes. He's not even good at telling bad jokes. <laughs> in 1988, he delivered a speech about a fellow Hanoi Hilton prisoner's persistence in making an American flag despite beatings. This drew audience tears and a standing ovation at the Republican National Conference. He was mentioned by the press as being on the shortlist for Republican national nominee George H.W. Bush's vice presidential running mate and was named chairman of veterans for Bush. Do we not? I mean, I would I would hope that in this country, if we were told that story, most of us would be like, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a fucking flag, dude. Yeah. But there's also the big difference of how we view our flag to how Americans view their flag. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was my point, that their reverence for the flag is ridiculous um, until the president colours it wrong and then they defend him again. It's like um, one of the comments I saw about all of the St. George's flags that are out around the World Cup mm. was um, someone posted, well, now that England's been knocked out of the World Cup, we'll be able to go forward knowing which flags are up for the, supporting the footballers and which ones are there just because their people are racist. <laughs> and it's like it is this thing in the uk where if you're flying the english flag outside your house people's first thought isn't how patriotic it's bet those guys are a bit racist yeah absolutely yeah yeah the 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 co-option of the saint george to a racist symbol um is complete in this country as far as i'm concerned yeah i see a saint george's flag i think racist yeah and i'm sure it's not every case but it's enough of it for that to feel like it rings true to me. But then I think I think as well it might be because I would far I would, I'm far more comfortable classing myself as somebody British or somebody from the United Kingdom than I am saying that I'm English. Yeah, I would I would I would never describe myself as English. And if someone asks me where I'm from, I'm from the UK. Yeah, I I do the same. Yeah, it's weird for for a lot of people in in Britain, we we do kind of see, you know. England's flag is like the Confederate flag. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, pretty much. It is, it's our Confederate flag. <laughs> you know, it yeah. represents racism, xenophobia, homophobia, years of colonialism and awful atrocities. And, and, and right-wingery as well. I mean, I know a lot of those things go hand in hand with being right-wing, but yeah. 
Except when it's football season, because then you never, you don't know, are they, are they racist or are they just supporting the football team? I would, I would assume that they were racist. <laughs> <laughs> I would still think, you know, if I was a football fan, I would still think twice about waving the St. George's flag. Yeah. I wonder how many people have just alienated with this bit. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you don't think it's, I mean, we're not arguing that the flag is racist. No, this is just our personal opinions. We're not arguing. I'm arguing that it's being co-opted by racists and has been irretrievably tarnished because of that co-option. Hmm. Don't blame us on Britain first. Yeah. Which ironically isn't England first. Just realise yeah. that. <laughs> Britain first, English flag. Well, what about the Union flag? Nah, England. Then why are you called Britain first? Don't question us. <laughs> I imagine the conversation okay. would just go in circles. In 1989, he became a staunch defender of his friend John Tower's doomed nomination for the U.S. Secretary of Defense. McCain butted heads with with Moral Majority co-founder Paul Weyrich, who's challenging Towers regarding alleged heavy drinking and extramarital affairs. Thus began McCain's difficult relationship with the Christian right. He would later write that Weyrich was a pompous, self-serving son of a bitch. You okay? That was a strange noise. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it was sort of like a. It, I was, I was, I was eating, so it was sort of like a choke up. <laughs> I just love the fact that this is a politician turning around and calling people a son of a bitch, and it seems to have not affected his career. <laughs> no. McCain supported the United States invasion of Panama in 1989. Of course, he did. I can, I can actually, I can, I can really imagine him. Like every time someone comes in, we're thinking of invading. Say no more. <laughs> Don't even need to go back. Oh, Nova Scotia. Yep, still fine. Yeah, they're going to team up with the Molly Maguires to take Canada. <laughs> it wasn't the Molly Maguires, it was the Fenians. Oh, damn it. I only know that because I'm actually re-listening to the dial right now, so it wasn't that long ago that I listened to it. Fair enough. The crazy Irish groups, you know, that yeah. it was either one or the other. Uh, he partnered with Senator Al Gore on the 89 Missile and Proliferation Control Act, which established sanctions on companies and nations that engaged in trade or development of long-range missile systems and the 1992 Iran-Iraq Arms Non-Proliferation Act, commonly known as the Gore-McCain Act, which established penalties for persons and companies assisting Iraq or Iran with acquiring missile technology. I love the fact that the nuclear proliferation and any arms proliferation deals are like, yeah, you can't have them. We can have them. You can't have them. Yeah, that's yeah. what it's all about. America wants the biggest guns. And and the most guns. Yeah. McCain's upward political trajectory was jolted when he became enmeshed in the Keating Five scandal, a highly visible part of the savings and loan crisis of the 1980s. Charles Keating Jr.'s Lincoln Savings and Loans Association, a subsidiary of his American Continental Corporation, was insolvent as a result of some bad loans. In order to overcome its debt, Lincoln violated direct investment rules by directing accounts by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation into commercial real estate ventures. This caught the eye of federal regulators. Keating contacted five senators to whom he made contributions, looking for them to intervene with the regulators on his behalf. <laughs> McCain and Keating had become personal friends following their initial contact in 1981. Between 82 and 87, McCain had received $112,000 in lawful political contributions from Keating and his associates. In addition, McCain's wife Cindy and her father Jim Hensley had invested 
$359,100 in Keating's shopping centre in April 1986. So there's some connection there. Wow. Yeah, there's a fair fair amount of back scratching Mm -hmm. going on there. By March 1987, Keating was asking McCain to travel to meet with regulators regarding Lincoln's savings. McCain refused. Keating called McCain a wimp, and on March 24th, the two had a heated meeting. On April 2nd and April 9th in 1987, McCain and the other senators met at the Capitol with regulators to discuss the government's investigation of Lincoln. McCain would write in 2002 that attending the two meetings was the worst mistake of my life. Bearing in mind, one of his life's decisions led to him being a prisoner of war for five and a half years. But yeah, this is say, his worst one. Say, you know, he, he crashed a number of planes even before he went to war. But, but this, this is, this is the, yeah, this is the decision that will haunt him. News of the meeting first appeared in National Thrift News in September 1987, but was only sporadically covered by the general media throughout April 1989. The regulators backed off Keating and Lincoln stayed in business. Still desperate for cash, it convinced customers to replace their federally insured certificates of deposit with higher yielding junk bond certificates of American Continental. I just wonder why why they backed off him. Um, Because five senators kind of told them to. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was sorry. Do you know what? I was seeing that as the opposite, that the five senators got together to... No. ...give the impression that they had. No. No, these are guys who are kind of in Keating's pocket and... Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. I I thought that they'd all collectively decided to do the right thing, but they all collectively decided to do the wrong thing. Okay. (laughs) Hence why it was a bad... Yes. ...why he says it was the worst decision he ever made. So, in April 1989, Lincoln failed... And about 23,000 customers were left with worthless bonds and many elderly investors lost their entire life savings. <sighs> Federal regulators filed a $1.1 billion civil racketeering and fraud suit against Keating and the five senators came under investigation for attempting to influence the regulators. In the end, none of the senators were charged with any crime. Robert S. Bennett, who was the special investigator for the Senate Ethics Committee, wanted to drop any action against McCain and Senator John Glenn on the grounds of insufficient evidence, but the committee disagreed. After public hearings, McCain was mildly rebuked by the committee for exercising poor judgment in intervening what? with federal regulators. Yeah, it's, it's poor judgment, Ham. Slap on the wrist. <sighs> Fuck's sake! I mean, no wonder people want to become politicians because they—they they really are. They just—they—they they can do fucking anything. Yep. The 1991 report said that McCain's actions were not improper nor attended with gross negligence and did not reach the level of requiring institutional action against him. Senator McCain has violated no law of the United States or specific rule of the United States Senate. Well, then maybe you should put that. Maybe you could put that in. He may have done bad things, but he didn't technically break any rules. Yeah, because your moral, because your moral compass isn't isn't at all important as a politician or public servant. I don't know what I'm saying. It's not, sorry, having a moral compass is actually a detriment. On his Keating Five experience, McCain said, "The appearance of it was wrong. It was a wrong appearance when a group of senators appear in a meeting with a group of regulators." because it conveys the impression of undue and improper influence, and it was the wrong thing to do. So what? 
So even his apology, or the reason why it was the wrong decision, was basically because it made it look bad rather than I did bad. Okay. You can understand why people would hate McCain because he helped fuck up a, a lot of lives with this one action. Yeah. Then doesn't get any comeback for it and basically says, sorry, it looked bad at the end. Mm, yeah. What was it we said? Kind of a dick move. Kind kind of a dick move, yeah. McCain survived the political scandal in part by becoming friendly with the political press. He held a lengthy press conference in which he answered all questions. With his blunt manner, he became a frequent guest on television newscasts and talk-oriented news shows, especially once the 1991 Gulf War, which he had voted in favour of, began, and his military and POW experience came into demand. Is there any military action that he doesn't vote in favour of in his, in his entire career? Um, I think there's a few bits. There, there was one earlier he, he didn't vote for because he didn't see them getting anything out of it. Yeah, that's true. The um, um... Lebanon, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now he's becoming a bit of a, a media lover and it's mm. twisting it to his own ends. As all good public servants do. His 1992 re-election campaign found his opposition split between Democrat community and civil rights activist Claire Sargent and impeached and removed former governor Evan Meacham running as an independent. <laughs> so Meacham's back. Holy shit, I forgot Meacham's back. <laughs> Meacham's back. Meacham's like, <laughs> I didn't go to prison. What shall I do? Fuck it, independent. Well, he he was found not guilty. You know, he was acquitted. So I guess he looked at McCain and said, well, what I did appeared wrong. So (laughs) McCain again won, getting 56% of the vote. One good thing that came of this is that his victory put a final end to Meacham's political career. During this same election period, Arizona finally passed a referendum, which McCain supported, that enabled the state Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. So they'd, they'd banned it for like five years because it was 87 they stopped it, wasn't it? Fucking hell. Ugh. In 1991, McCain was a co-sponsor of the Agent Orange Act, which enabled disability benefits for Vietnam veterans afflicted with Agent Orange-related diseases. In January 1993, McCain was named chairman of a board of directors of the International Republican Institute, a non-profit democratic promotion organisation with informal ties to the Republican Party. The position would allow McCain to bolster his foreign policy expertise and credentials, as well as his future fundraising prospects. At the same time, he was named head of recruiting and fundraising for Republican senatorial candidates. In 1990, McCain voted to confirm David Souter as a Supreme Court justice, and in 1991, he supported the nomination of Clarence Thomas. In 1993 and 1994, McCain voted to confirm President Clinton's nominees Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Stephen Breyer, whom he considered to be qualified for the Supreme Court, despite differing judicial philosophies from him. He would later explain that, under our constitution, it's the president's call to make. Mm. I mean, he does seem to be, I mean, he does seem in general to be to be voting. The right way? Voting his conscience. Yeah. I, gr- I disagree with a lot of his conscience. Yeah. But. Yeah, sir, this is what I uh, astounded me when researching into this. Some of the time I'm like, this guy's fucking awful. But then other times he does stuff. It's like, but that's a really classy move to make. Turn around and be like, I don't agree with this, but it's not my place to agree with it. It's, you know, like this. It's the president's decision. It's what the constitution says. So, yes, I will follow it. It's like he he's flip flopping from one side to the other. I I still sometimes yeah. don't know what I feel about him. 
No. Although I and it's um, yeah. yeah, and it's and it's back and you know, but then but then again, I could be very cynical and say that back then the whole tribalism. Our point in the Republican Party is to make sure that the Dems don't get anything done. Mm. Um, hadn't really sort of taken hold yet, so there wouldn't have been so much backlash for voting your conscience. Whereas there is extreme levels of backlash for 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 voting cross party lines now. Mm. So I do wonder if his stance changes as that becomes more of a deal in American politics. You know, like um, whether he blocked any of the any of Obama's confirmation appointments, for example. I know. You'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I know. <laughs> McCain was a key member of the 1991 to 1993 Senate Select Committee on POW MIA Affairs, chaired by Democrat and fellow Vietnam vet John Kerry, which was convened to investigate the Vietnam War POW MIA issue, the fate of US service personnel listed as missing in action during the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. The committee's work included more visits to Vietnam and persuading the Department of Defense to declassify over a million pages of relevant documents. The committee's final report, which McCain endorsed, stated that while the committee has some evidence suggesting the possibility a POW may have survived to the present, and while some information remains yet to be investigated, there is, at this time, no compelling evidence that proves that any American remains alive in captivity in Southeast Asia. After many years of disliking Kerry due to his actions with Vietnam veterans against the war, McCain developed an unbound respect and admiration for him during the hearings. The actions of the committee were designed to allow for improvement for improved ties between the two countries, although that goal was not shared by large segments of Republicans. McCain pressed for normalising of diplomatic relations with Vietnam, partly because, as he said, it was a time to heal. It's a way of ending the war. It's a time to move on. Mm-hmm. And partly because he saw in the US national interest to do so, in particular envisioning Vietnam as a valuable regional counterbalance against China. <laughs> Look, you gotta have an underhand second reason for doing everything. Yeah. I've seen those I've seen those fuckers fight. They should be on our side. <laughs> that that's probably part of it as well. <laughs> yeah. In 1994, the Senate passed a resolution sponsored by Kerry and McCain that called for an end to the existing trade embargo against Vietnam. It was intended to pave the way for normalisation. During his time on the committee and afterward, McCain was vilified as a fraud, traitor or Manchurian candidate by some POW MIA activists who believed that large numbers of American servicemen were still being held in Southeast Asia. They were angry that McCain did not share their belief and that he sought to normalise relations with Vietnam. I mean, I'm assuming that this is probably that this probably comes from grief. Yeah, I imagine a lot of this is family members that just can't let go. Yeah. And and former servicemen and POWs who are experiencing severe psychological trauma from their time as well. Mm. Plus 1994. Oh, yeah. Rambo 2 would have come out as well. So, you know, the public will have seen a movie about american soldier going in and saving pow's that have been kept so there's those kind of you know fiction and movies around so is that the plot of rambo that he goes back into vietnam to save pow yeah um first blood (laughs) 2 rambo um or whatever it's called basically he goes into vietnam to find out if there are no no this is the second one 
Oh, the second yes. one. Right. So it's Rambo First Blood Part Two. Yeah. Um, yeah. He go. He's sent to Vietnam to find out if there are POWs, and right. he finds some, and he's ordered, right. "Don't do anything. Come back." And he's like, "No, fuck that." So he takes one. Fuck dog, he, he he saves one, brings him back to the pickup point. So the superiors are like, "Whoa." You went off script, uh, fuck you, and leaves him. So then he takes on um, the entire Vietnamese army and the Russians to save all of the POWs before coming back to base <laughs> and and fucking up his uh, his CO. It's a good film. <laughs> yeah, really, really based in reality. It doesn't have to be based in reality to be a good film, man. <laughs> well, no, true, true. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you had that in the cinema and on TV and stuff. So if people are thinking that maybe Vietnam still has POWs and then you're seeing that kind of stuff in the media, it's going to help compound those views and certain public opinions. So, yeah, I would be, I would be interested as to, you know, how that idea was born mm. because if the, if the, because if they had to create a committee to deal with it, it seems like the POW MIA group had quite a lot of say, had quite a lot of shout in order for them to even say, OK, we'll look into it. In response to the criticism of the committee's findings, McCain said that he and Kerry had convinced the Vietnamese to give them full access to their records and that he had spent thousands of hours trying to find real, not fabricated evidence of surviving Americans. McCain pushed for normalization was opposed by some leading Senate Republicans, including Phil Graham and Senator Majority Leader Bob Dole. I mean, you would you would think that as a former POW, that McCain would have a vested interest yeah. in anybody who was still potentially being held held and actually getting them home. Yeah, you you would like to think that these groups would turn around and be like, okay, it's not just anyone looking into this. It's it's John McCain. You know, he's. Yeah. He's been a POW. He's one of us. But I think it's still that whole the government don't give a fuck about us. They never did during the war. He's now part of the government, so we can't trust him kind of mentality behind it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you'd think, you know, definitely the government's best choice to put into this committee to, to look into it. But you'd think people would accept it a bit more coming from him. Yeah. And would also accept his calls for normalisation, because at least he understands that once war is over, you do have to build those bridges. Otherwise, you've got just got the possibility that things are going to go south again. Yeah. You know, you need to need to you can't be you can't be a country's enemy forever unless you rebrand a war as a war on terror. Yeah. And then you can be their enemy forever. Um, in 1995, President Bill Clinton normalized diplomatic relations with Vietnam. So, yeah, that kind of worked out. Mm hmm. These actions were of a piece with McCain's attitude towards domestic reconciliation from the Vietnam era. Unlike many who went to Vietnam, some of whom were still his friends, he did not hold grudges against those who, who did not go. This is about, um, I think I missed out a bit, a little bit here. A lot, a lot of people who served in Vietnam didn't like Clinton because he didn't go to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. um, but well, they got over it by the time Bush Jr. was in office and then Command Bones yeah. Spurs. In 1993, he had offered to escort Clinton on a speaking visit to Vietnam Veterans Memorial at a time when some veterans were angrily challenging Clinton's moral right to go there. Well, he didn't, he didn't fight in Vietnam, so why should he go to the memorial? Exactly. It's not like he's president or anything. Yeah. It's like, that would just be crazy talk. 
sorry, he also struck up a friendship with an anti-war leader, David Ifshim, who once travelled to Hanoi to make an anti-American propaganda broadcast that McCain had heard in his cell. Having survived the Keating Five scandal, McCain made attacking what he saw as the corrupting influence of big money on American politics his signature issue. Starting in late 1994, he worked with Democrat Wisconsin Senator Russ Feingold on campaign finance reform. Their McCain-Feingold bill would attempt to put limits on soft money, funds that corporations, unions and other organisations could donate to political parties, which would then be funneled to political candidates in circumvention of hard money donation limits. Mm-hmm. From the start, McCain and Feingold's efforts were opposed by some of the interested parties, by incumbents in both parties, by those who felt spending limits impinged on free political speech, and by those who yeah. wanted to lessen the power of what they saw as media bias. Yeah, gotta, gotta love that American free speech. So the only way <laughs> that you can limit media bias is by having more money. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's why campaign finance reform um, never ever gets through, because there are too many people that benefit from it. That benefit from yeah. it, who are who are voting, yeah, and uh, yeah. On the other hand, the bill garnered considerable sympathetic coverage in the national media, and from 1995 on, Maverick Republican became a label frequently applied to McCain in stories. The first version of the McCain-Feingold Act was introduced into the Senate in September 1995. It was filibustered in 96 and never came to a vote. Ugh. Gotta love filibustering. Yeah. In 1993, McCain opposed military operations in Somalia, saying it was an unfocused mission that lacks any objective. After 18 deaths in the Battle of Mogadishu, he introduced a resolution to bring US forces home immediately, but it was defeated in the Senate. McCain similarly opposed Operation Uphold Democracy in Haiti in 1994. Uh. There's another one of those great names for you. Operation Uphold Democracy. Yeah. <laughs> Operation American Boot on the Neck. He was also initially opposed to US military involvement in the Bosnian War, voting against the George H.W. Bush administration on a 1992 resolution that would have authorised demonstrations of force in conjunction with the Operation Provide Promise humanitarian relief effort. McCain's view changed after the 1995 Srebrenica massacre. Sreb, Srebrenica? Sreb, Srebrenica massacre. Srebrenica. That's the one. And he voted in favour of the resolution authorising the 1995 NATO bombing in Bosnia against the Bosnian Serb army. He was instrumental in pushing through approval of the Line Item Veto Act of 1996, which gave the president the power to veto individual expenditures. Although this was McCain's biggest Senate victories, the effect was short-lived as the US Supreme Court ruled that the act was unconstitutional. How? Because, I have no idea, you can't limit someone's individual expenditures because that's against their rights, probably. No, America. Constitution. Yay. I know there's a lot of good in the American Constitution, but it gets held up to support so much bad stuff. Well, hmm. there's not that much good in it. There is in the amendments. Yeah, there's some good stuff in the amendment. But if the Constitution was such a fucking shit document, there wouldn't have to be 25 amendments to it. And isn't it about time we had some more? Yeah, I think the Constitution has a lot. Well, I mean, but but to be fair, anybody who says like, oh, I believe in the Constitution and the United States. Yeah, they don't actually. They believe in the amendments. Mm. 
to the constitution and even those need updating yeah i was reading a very interesting thing about the whole um in god we trust on the american money um wasn't that an anti-communism thing in the 50s uh oh no sorry i don't i don't know about why it was why it was instituted okay. but atheist atheist groups have tried to get it removed because it's against the constitution because america um, has no official religion because America has no official religion and because of separation of church and state mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And it was ruled by the Supreme Supreme Court that it wasn't classed as that they had some some obfuscation that like, oh, no, 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 it's not classed as religious. God is not classed as religious. Yeah. No, they, yeah, they had some justification. <laughs> for okay. Say because it wasn't it wasn't religious or something. But then, you know. You speak to any American about freedom of religion, and then you point to the um, Satanist oh, statue, the Baphomet statue, Arizona, Love it. and you're like, "Yeah, yeah, no, okay, yeah." It's freedom of religion as long as it's Christianity. My religion, yeah, and and because I belong to a number of um, American pages uh, and American groups and stuff, it's so interesting how you know they will they will go like, "Ra ra ra ra, this is true." And it's like, well, no, only in your country, not in the rest of the world. Yep. Um, refute something in an article going, oh, you know, like it was something like um, so and so many deaths from measles in, in so many years. And then somebody went, oh, this is bullshit. There are only so and so deaths in America. And somebody went, yeah, but America's not the world. <laughs> McCain was the only Republican senator to vote against the Freedom to Farm Act in 1996 saying that it catered to special interests rather than representing true reform of farm subsidiaries policy. He is one of only five senators to vote against the Telecommunications Act in 1996 on the grounds that it put the economic interests of corporations ahead of customers. Again, he's doing well, stuff that I kind of approve of, but he's an asshole. But, he, but at this point, I mean, okay, so if he votes like that all the time to limit corporate power, then... Good job, John McCain. But yeah, no, that's I don't know why I said a but. <laughs> I was going to make another point and then realised that no, I was wrong about that point. So, at the start of the 1996 presidential election, McCain served as national campaign chairman for the highly unsuccessful Republican nomination effort of Texas Senator Phil Graham. After Graham dropped out, McCain endorsed eventual nominee Senate Majority Leader Bob Dole and was again on the shortlist of possible vice presidential picks. In 1997, McCain became a chairman of the Senatorial Commerce Committee. He was criticised for accepting funds from corporations and businesses under the committee's purview, but responded by saying, literally every business in America falls under the the Commerce Committee, and that he restricted those contributions to $1,000, and was thus not part of the big money nature of campaign finance problems. Oh, interestingly, so he decided, although he couldn't push the law for soft fight, for soft money, he decided not to accept soft money. Mm-hmm. All okay. right. In the same year, Time magazine named McCain as one of 25 most influential people in America. McCain used his chairmanship to challenge the tobacco industry in 1998, proposing legislation that would increase cigarette taxes in order to fund anti-smoking campaigns and reduce the number of teenage smokers increase research on research money on health studies and help states pay for smoking related healthcare costs. 
the industry spent some 40 to 50 million dollars in national advertising in response. While McCain's bill had the support of the Clinton administration and many public health groups, most Republican senators opposed it, stating it would create yeah. an unwieldy new bureaucracy. I wonder why they'd opposed that one. Um, um, <laughs> I'm sure they had really, really good non non-monetary related reasons. The bill failed twice and was seen as a bad political defeat for McCain. During 1998, a revised version of the McCain-Feingold Act came up for Senate consideration. In addition to banning soft money, it sought to restrict issue ads run by independent groups within 60 days of an election. While having majority support, it was fiercely opposed by Senator Mitch McConnell on free speech and partisan threat grounds, and it, yeah. and it again fell victim to filibuster and failed to gain closure. McCain won his third term re-election in November 1998, gaining 69% of the vote. McCain took no soft money during the campaign, but still raised $4.4 million for his bid, saying that he had needed it in case the tobacco companies or other Washington special interests mounted a strong effort against him. So instead of taking money from corporations, which is a bad thing in a lot of ways, but at least they can fucking afford it, he's now bleeding all his voters dry instead. A little bit, yeah. McCain had been uncomfortable and largely silent during the 1998 Lewinsky scandal, partly because of his own personal life had not been without blemishes, and partly because his upcoming presidential nomination run restricted his political options. During the early 1998 impeachment of Bill Clinton, McCain voted to convict the president on both the perjury and obstruction of justice counts. In his remarks on the Senate floor, he said, Although I may admit to failures in my private life, I have always kept faith with every oath I have ever sworn to this country. I have known some men who keep that, that fate at the cost of their lives. I cannot, not in deference to public opinion or political considerations, or for the sake of community and friendship, agree to expect less from the president. However, in 1998, McCain made a joke during a speech at the Republican fundraiser about President Clinton's daughter saying, why is Chelsea Clinton so ugly? Because her father is Janet Reno. The joke was thought to be so offensive that many newspapers declined to print it. I don't understand the joke. <laughs> you don't understand the joke? No. He, he, Who's Janet Reno? Um, oh, she was, uh, no, she was the attorney that general. Was it, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's basically saying Clinton's daughter is ugly because she's not Clinton's daughter. She's the result of a lesbian affair it, it the joke doesn't work it's, it's not a real joke no i mean i will say janet really is not, not a traditionally attractive woman um but i'm wondering if it's more to do with the fact that she was attorney general and, and he wasn't impeached in the end was he mm. um mccain subsequently said this is the bad boy it was stupid and cruel and insensitive i've apologized i can't take it back his letter of apology to President Clinton was described as abject, contrite, and profuse. In response, White House spokesman Mike McCurry said, to make further issue of the matter would lend further exposure to an offensive joke. In light of the senator's apology, they, the first family, decided to drop the matter. Now, I did see something about this which said that the, the reason this wasn't a big part towards damaging his career was because the papers turned around and said, it's so offensive, we're not going to print that, that this basically didn't become an issue because they didn't print what he said. People 
didn't yeah. realize what he'd said so they were like yeah it's no big deal so he kind of got yeah, he got away it, with stuff again because there's, there's offensive but you can be offensive to a number of different types and groups of people but this was particularly offensive to the first family yeah. and that would have been a huge deal mm-hmm. back then McCain had initially planned on announcing his candidacy for the 2000 presidential race and begin active campaigning on April 6, 1999. There was to be a four-day roadshow whose first day would symbolically begin at the United States Naval Academy. However, the Kosovo War intervened. On March 24th, the NATO bombing campaign against the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia began. McCain had voted the day before in favour of approval for the Clinton administration's action, saying... Atrocities are the signature of the Serbian army. They've been carrying out atrocities since 1992. We must not permit the genocide of the Milosevic. I hope I said that right. That Milosevic has in mind for the co- for Kosovo to continue. We are at a critical hour. I think it's Milosevic, but you you were you were pretty much bar. Ah, damn it. <laughs> I do have the benefit of that. I was I was a teenager during this yeah. period in history because I'm so old. <laughs> On April 13th, McCain simply issued a statement without fanfare that he would be a candidate. While now is not the time for the celebratory tour I had planned, I am a candidate for president and I will formally kick off my campaign at a more appropriate time. And that was that was for the 2000 campaign? Yeah. Well, see, I didn't even know that he'd run before he became the candidate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't know about that one as well. I knew about 2008. Mm. I thought it was 2012. No, eight. Who ran against Obama in 2012 then? Mitt Romney. Oh, of course. The day after McCain announced, Bush made a show of visiting Phoenix and displaying that he, not McCain, had the endorsement of Arizona Governor Jane D. Hull and several other prominent local political figures. Dick move, Bush. Sorry? Dick move, Bush. McCain did have the support of the rest of the Republican Arizona congressional delegation, however. Hull would continue to attack McCain during the campaign and was featured in high-profile Arizona Republic and New York Times stories about McCain's reputation for having a bad temper, with the latter featuring on-the-record criticism from Governor of Michigan John Engler. By early November, stories about McCain's temper problems were frequent enough that Washington Post media critic Howard Kuntz wrote a survey article about them. Some of McCain's opponents, including those in or close to the Senate Republican leadership, intimated that McCain's temper was a sign of mental instability. The notion was made that this was due to McCain's POW days. Wow. Yep. They're they're really going there. And they really did change their tune when it, by the time 2008 rolled around, didn't they? Yep. In early December, McCain released some 1,500 pages of his medical and psychiatric records, which showed several psychiatric evaluations over a number of years following his POW release that indicated no signs of lingering mental or emotional difficulty from that period. Also, he could just like say, like, I was given 100 demerits at my first year in Naval Academy. I was, I've always been a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bush avoided most of the scheduled Republican Party debates during 1999, including the one held in Arizona State University in McCain's home state. There, McCain debated second-tier candidates Alan Keyes, Orrin Hatch, and Steve Forbes instead. Bush finally did participate in the December 6th debate at the Orpheum Theatre in Phoenix, by which time McCain was so busy campaigning in New Hampshire that he had to join via video. 
There, McCain's signature push for campaign finance reform led to one of the few lively exchanges in what was described as an otherwise placid event. McCain travelled on a campaign bus called the Straight Talk Express, whose name capitalised on his reputation as a political maverick who would speak his mind. In visits to towns, he gave a 10-minute talk focused on campaign reform issues, then announced that he would stay until he answered every question that everyone had. He pledged that, I will never tell you a lie. He conducted 114 of these town hall meetings, speaking in every town in New Hampshire, an example of his retail politics that overcame Bush's familiar name. His growing number of supporters became known as the McCainiacs. Because McCain's navy had already been taken. Yep. <laughs> McCain was famously accessible to the press, using free media to compensate for his lack of funds. As one reporter later said, McCain talked all day long with reporters on his Straight Talk Express bus. He talked so much that sometimes he said things he shouldn't have, and that's why the media loved him. McCain aides saw that the senator was naturally preferring the company of reporters to other politicians. Can't blame him. <laughs> nope. On the 1st November 2000, McCain won the primary with 49% of the vote to Bush's 30%. However, that was in New Hampshire. McCain lost South Carolina on February 19th with 42% of the vote, allowing Bush to regain momentum. McCain's campaign never completely recovered from his defeat in South Carolina. He did rebound partially by winning in Arizona and Michigan in February. Still reeling from his South Carolina experience, McCain made a February 28th speech in Virginia Beach that criticised Christian leaders, including televangelists Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell. He called them decisive and declared, We embrace the fine members of the religious conservative community, but that does not mean that we will pander to their self-appointed leaders. He described them as agents of intolerance who shame our faith, our party and our country. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of hardcore to go against the Christian right like that. Yeah, because but to be very but 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 to tread carefully enough to say you know I am myself a Christian I am a conservative Christian this is not about conservative Christians this is about these people who peddle lies intolerance and are money grabbers mm. yeah it, oh yeah it's very specific to it's not Christians it's just these guys yeah which okay you know it is Christians but yeah they are top tier of the scum of the. <laughs> They are the top, you know, they're good people to go. They're, they're good people to go for. During this rally, he said, we are the party of Ronald Reagan, not Pat Robertson. We are the party of Theodore Roosevelt, not the party of special interests. We are the party of Abraham Lincoln, not Bob Jones. Join us. Join us and welcome anyone of good faith to our ranks. We should be, we must be, and we will be a party as big as the country we serve. Ah. Nope. He then lost the Virginia primary on February 29th, as well as one in Washington, partly due to backlash from the conservative Christian right. Mm -hmm. In this same month, McCain said in a speech, I hate the gooks. I will hate them as long as I live. Oh. Yep. So he was there for like wanting to normalise diplomatic relationships. He'd been over there and he'd spoken to a lot of people he's encouraged them to open up their military records and then he turns around and says that mm -hmm. now apparently he was saying this in reference to specifically his captors during the war but 
using that slur gained the attention of media in California, which had a large Asian American population. Mm. But even if, but but he could have said, "I will always hate my captors." Yes, he oh, could yeah. have said that if that was the point he was trying to make. He could have said that. Oh, definitely. He he did not need to use that word because you should never use that word. No, no. I mean, it's like it's like saying I hate all N words. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't. Sorry. I didn't mean all black people. I just meant those particular three black people that beat me up once. Mm-hmm. You said all slur. Well, yeah, but I didn't mean it. After criticism from some in the Asian American community, McCain vowed to no longer use the word, saying, I will continue to condemn those who unfairly mistreated us. But out of respect to a great number of people for whom I hold in very high regard, I will no longer use the term that has caused such discomfort. Ugh. So, basically like, well, they are, they are the G word, but... I won't say it, yeah. You're, you're, and you're obviously, like, you know, too much of a, in today's parlance, snowflake. So out of, out of respect for your feelings, I won't use it. Pretty much. Non-apology. Again. Reaction among Vietnamese Americans to his use of the term was mixed, although supportive of McCain himself, and exit polls in the primary in California showed that the Asian American community strongly supported him. Hmm. So he got away with it, somehow. Who knows? Well, I mean, I, well, I mean the Asian American community isn't just Viet- Vietnamese. I don't no, know no, of what percentage of Asian because the Vietnamese community might be a very, very small percentage of the Asian American community. I don't, I don't know what the percentage is or was back then, but... But you still think there would be a bigger backlash from that. And, you know, I'm not from the Vietnamese community, but if someone used that term in front of me, I wouldn't really like them after that. No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. A week later, on March 7th, he lost nine of the 13 primaries on Super Tuesday to Bush. Ouch. Yeah. These included California, New York, Ohio, and Georgia. McCain's wins were confined to the New England states of Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Vermont. His overall loss on that day has been attributed attributed to his going off message, ineffectively accusing Bush of being anti-Catholic due to having visited Bob Jones University and getting into a smear battle with leaders of the religious right. Mm. McCain officially withdrew from the race on March 9th, 2000. Following the 2000 presidential election, there was a large amount of lingering bitterness between Bush and McCain, and between their respective staffs. McCain was also upset that the Bush administration hired few, if any, of his aides for White House positions. An unofficial Bush policy blocked McCain's staffers from thousands of administration jobs. <sighs> yeah, because why not be petty about it? Yeah. I do, I do think, I mean, I have yet to obviously hear the end of this story, but I do think if it was, if it was a choice between gold medal in the shit Olympics and it was McCain and Bush, I think Bush would win. Yeah. Wonder if, one, well, wonder what the world would be like if McCain had been president on September 11th. Mm. But then he wasn't exactly a pacifist, so I think no. he probably still would have with invasions. It's funny that you bring that up, though, because... The next section covers September 11th. Oh, okay. During the September 11th attacks, McCain was in transit to and at his office at the US Capitol. After being evacuated, he stayed at an associate Capitol Hill residence and made 17 national and Arizona media appearances to comment upon the attacks. 
I, sorry, I wondered if that was that seems like a that seems like a lot. That's quite a lot. Like maybe he was wanting to put himself back out there as as a as a voice because he had been a voice for sort of in sort of military matters previously, hadn't he? Yeah. Plus, it being relatively soon after losing the election or um, the candidacy for the election, it's a good way of getting back in there. Mm-hmm. In the days after the attack, he became one of the most visible leadership voices in the nation, saying, if there's anything Americans should know about this, it's that it's going to be a long struggle. Americans have gotten used to quick fixes. We haven't been in a long struggle since the Vietnam War. I mean, considering considering we're now 17 years later, he's yeah. not wrong. No, no, no he, he was right about that one. But partly that was due to the whole branding it as a war on terror because you mm-hmm. can never win against about the concept against the concept of terror and the fact that all the interventions have just made the the region even more unstable and enabled the rise the rise of ISIS. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like there's not many wars you can pick that won't you can't eventually win. It's like you know most conflicts will come to an end somehow, but war on terror. Well, I think that President Trump. President Trump's war on the oceans, um, that might take a few years to, to win. True. Or President Trump's war. In, in fact, in fact, I didn't even need to, to reach into out my, out my butthole for that joke because I could have just said President Trump's eventual war against the aliens. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we're, we're assembling Space Force. There's got to yeah. be something going on there. Yeah. In October 2001, McCain voted for the US Patriot Act. The act authorised the indefinite detentions of immigrants. The permission given law enforcement officers to search homes or businesses without the owner's or occupant's consent or knowledge. The expanded use of national security letters, which allowed the FBI to search telephone, email and financial records without a court order. And the expanded access of law enforcement agencies to business records, including library and financial records. Yeah, the Patriot Law was fucked up i mean i mean if it hadn't if it hadn't been pushed through so quickly after after 9-11 the the public backlash would have been gigantic because the fucking sweeping things they put into place yeah it's fucking terrifying maybe still i mean i don't know how how many things have been have been pushed back from the patriot act now but you know it could could be a way to create a police state Mm, yeah it's it's easy grounds for stuff like that yeah, but so but everyone was. I think even the people that were dissenters or detractors still didn't feel like they could speak up because of they would have been seen as traitors at that point. Mm. When it's like, no, we are trying to protect you, citizens, not to have a jerk reaction. Yeah, to a security. It's ridiculous. One of the interesting things that I read, uh, it was in a book that was all about perception of risk, mm. and uh, this this guy did did the maths. And worked out that in the two years after September the 11th, 12,000 people died um, in road traffic accidents due to the amount of people that stopped flying. Hmm. Yeah, I, I yeah. can believe that. You you get scared of one thing and then it, it has a knock-on effect. There were so many more cars on the road and so many, yeah, the, yeah so the, the road traffic accident deaths rose staggeringly in the next two, in the, in the following two years. In the 2004 US presidential election, McCain was once again frequently mentioned for the vice president slot, only this time as part of the Democratic ticket underneath John Kerry. Kerry and McCain had been close since their work in the early 90s. 
and the pairing was seen as having great allure to independent voters, with polls seeming to mm. confirm the notion. McCain had seemed open to such a possibility in a March 2004 interview, only to have his staff reject it hours later. In June, it was reported that Kerry had informally offered it to McCain several times. McCain had declined, either on grounds that it would be infeasible weaken the presidency, or that the vice presidency held no great appeal to him. No, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't want to be VP because yeah. it's a very, very sort of ceremonial mm-hmm. thing, more than actually wielding any wielding much power. They say it's the, like the least powerful person, isn't it? Pretty much. It's like a, you go to all the events that the president doesn't want to go to just to... Yeah. Well, yeah, because even the first lady has <laughs> even the first lady has more power. Yeah. At the 2004 Republican National Convention, McCain enthusiastically supported Bush for re-election, praising Bush's management of the war on terror since September 11. At the same time, McCain defended Kerry by labelling the Swift Boat Veterans for Truth campaign against him and his Vietnam record as dishonest and dishonourable, and urging the Bush campaign to condemn it. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's it's his friend, it's a fellow Vietnam vet who's basically having their war record disparaged, and so he's, yeah, he's supporting him even though he's encouraging the opposition. Before you said, before you said the second sentence and you said he did endorse Bush, it's like, yeah, but that was probably just him towing the party line because you never threaten an incumbent. In January 2005, McCain began his second stint as the chair of the Senate Indian Affairs Committee. Working with the rest of the Arizona delegation in late 2004, he had helped pass the Arizona Waters Supplements Act, the most extensive Indian waters settlement ever. He played a leading role in exposing the Jack Abranoff Indian lobbying scandal, finding money laundered, fraud and tax violations as rival tribes lobbied for congressional favour. Owing to his time as a POW, McCain had been recognised for his sensitivity to the detention and integration of detainees in the war on terror. No, not integration. Interrogation. McCain had been an opponent of the Bush administration's use of enhanced interrogation techniques and had specifically Mm -hmm. referred to waterboarding as torture. Yep, which it is. Oh yeah, you're making someone think they're drowning. It's torture. Yeah. No two ways about it, that's torture. Mm-hmm. On October 3rd, 2005, McCain introduced the McCain Detainee Amendment to the Defence Appropriations Bill for 2005. On October 5th, the United States Senate voted 90-9 to 9 to support the amendment. The amendment prohibits inhumane treatment of prisoners, including prisoners at Guantanamo Bay, by confining interrogations to the techniques of the FM-3452 Intelligence Interrogation. Although Bush had threatened to veto the bill if McCain's language was included, the president announced on December 15th that he accepted McCain's terms and would make it clear to the world that his government does not torture and that we adhere to the international conventions of torture, whether it be here at home or abroad. Now remind me, was that the truth? No. Oh. I'm sorry. Politicians lie, Han. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. Bush made clear his interpretation of this legislation in a signing <laughs> statement, reserving what he interpreted to be his presidential constitutional authority in order to avoid further terrorist attacks. <laughs> loophole! Not legal loophole, but loophole. <laughs> Don't worry, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> 
that was my very, very, very bad Bush impression that was that I was more to John Stewart than it does to actual Bush. <laughs> In April 2006, McCain was named one of America's 10 best senators by Time magazine, which said, McCain has earned moral authority over the years by being patient and making the big play. Many of the problems McCain tackles are entrenched and unexciting. They challenge the rules in Washington and the cynicism of voters at home. I would kind of agree with that. Kind of. In some way. Yeah, Yeah. some of that's true, but also he's been a real dick, so... Yeah. But it's one of those, you know pick a a Republican at this time with a moral compass, McCain would probably be the one. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's pointing the <laughs> correct direction, but you know it's close to North. He does I mean he does lose that, so yeah. you know. Working with Democratic Senator Ted Kennedy, McCain was a strong proponent of comprehensive immigration reform, which would involve legalization, guest work program and border enforcement components. The Secure America and Orderly Immigration Act was never voted on in 2005, while the Comprehensive Immigration Reform Act of 2006 passed the Senate in May 2006, but then failed in the House. In June 2007, President Bush, McCain and others made the strongest push yet for a bill, the Comprehensive Immigration Reform Act of 2007, but it aroused furious grassroots opposition amongst talk talk radio listeners and others as an amnesty program and twice failed to gain closure at the Senate and thus failed. At a VFW hall in South Carolina in 2007, a veteran asked whether the US would send an airmail message to Iran. McCain responded by referring to that old Beach Boy song, Bomb Iran, and then sang the parody chorus, Bomb, 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 Anyway, before he moved on. Oh, God. He then explained his concerns about Iran while stopping short of a bombing endorsement. You just sang bomb, 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 bomb Iran, but you're not endorsing bombing. No. I think you just did. I think you just did. Singing it does not make it not truth. Because if that was the case, Trump would sing everything. Yeah, just, just sing all your bullshit. When later asked about the singing, McCain said, My response is, lighten up and get a life. Oh, yeah, hilarious. When asked whether it was insensitive, retorted, insensitive to what? The Iranians. Oh, God damn you, John McCain. Yeah, remember how, like, a few a few minutes ago, we're like, yeah, if you're going go, to go, go, go for a good Republican, he's probably the one. It's like, no, no. <laughs> I can really understand why, why he is so divisive and why, yeah, because... Yeah, I, I am literally... Even though I've already gone through all this, I'm still going on that journey again where it's, ah, he's all right. No, he's an arsehole. Ah, he's pretty good. I hate the guy. Uh, yeah, he's doing some good work. Fuck this guy. It's like, I, I cannot make up my mind on him. If he was a fictional character, people would be like, well, he's entirely unrealistic as a character. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you've clearly yeah. got two very different writers writing him in different episodes. <laughs> Maybe it's John McCain and John McCann, and the two of them keep switching out. One's good, one's evil. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that. Maybe maybe that monument maybe to McCann, McCann was real. Was the, was the POW, and he did go fairly crazy. But sometimes McCain is just a bit poorly, so sends McCann out. But which one of them died? Unless they. Oh, do you think it was like? Oh, maybe they had like one of those eighties movie style 
moments on the roof where someone's pointing their gun at both of them. It's like, no, I'm the real McCann. No, I'm McCain. And then they both just died, got shot. They're both gone. <laughs> or, or they I was, fought I each thought other. I thought you were going to go with the whole sort of like maybe before their death, they did the whole, you know, in Bill and Ted's bogus journey where station melds into a gigantic station. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe there's like a twice the size John McCain out there. Yeah. Now, this next bit you may have seen because I know you watch this. As a guest on The Daily Show a few days later and following a trip to Baghdad, host and longtime friend of McCain, John Stewart asked, what do you want to start with, the bomb Iraq song or the walk through the market in Baghdad? McCain responded by saying, I think maybe shopping in Baghdad. I had something picked out for you too, a little IED to put on your desk. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't remember that, but I started what, no, I didn't start watching Daily Show till about 2007. I didn't know if maybe it'd be something you'd have seen from the past, but... No. I'm guessing you're going to look for that clip now. You know what? You cannot find Daily Show clips. Uh, Comedy Central takes everything down. Because there's so many Daily Show clips that I would like to show people that I can't. When anti-Iraq war dem Democrats objected to the remark, McCain advised them to lighten up and get a life. Oh God, this is becoming his new catchphrase. Yeah, lighten up. Lighten up, man. Get a life, man. It's just a joke, man. It's not a dick. Don't take it so hard. On February 28th, 2007, during a telecast of The Late Show with David Letterman, McCain informally announced his candidacy for the 2008 presidential election. And that's what we're going to go into in the next episode. Now, this is where my knowledge, because as I said, I started watching The Daily Show in about 2006, 2007. So I remember, I remember the campaign. Mm. Okay. Um, so you might know some of this coming up then. Yeah. I mean, I don't like, I couldn't like thinking of it now. There's not sort of like, oh, this happened and this happened, but it will probably ring a few bells for me. Mm. Well, we'll have to see. And uh, hopefully we'll learn some new things along the way. Because if, if you remember this, you might be bringing stuff in that I've not heard as well. I'm excited by that. I remember, yeah, Palin stealing a lot of focus. <laughs> oh, yes. Good old crazy Palin. Ah. <sighs> So lots of things to look forward to in the next episode. <laughs> yeah. So I know we very recently just covered this because we're recording in one session, but where can people find you online, Ham? Uh, basically just Facebook. There's other things that I'm considering doing, but knowing me, they'll never get done. So I'm not going to mention. <laughs> that, that's fair. So <laughs> go follow Ham on Facebook because she's, she's really cool. She puts up good things. Yeah. 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 It's good times for all. Good times for all. And occasionally you get colouring pictures because I do colouring. They're good too. She stays in the lines and everything. I do. Well, well, the programme makes you stay in the lines. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, she colours flags, all the right colours and everything as well. I do, yeah. Even though it was, it was, it was, it was fairly satisfying when after, after seeing a couple of these um, articles where somebody defended him by going well obviously it's the blue lives matter flag and because i'd been following it for a couple of hours i knew that he was wrong and i was like nope strike in the wrong place <laughs> also he's not smart enough to do that <laughs> well if you enjoyed this episode you can find eccentric earth online as well we have a twitter account at eccentric underscore earth our facebook is 
www.facebook.com forward slash eccentric earth and we're on instagram we put up news and updates on episodes that are coming up as well as giving out little history facts and tidbits each day so make sure you go and follow us and we have pictures on there of gohan the history bunny our little mascot who is super cute so you should go look at him he is super cute did you see did you see his crazy picture you changed your profile picture to it haven't you yeah because i i got that picture and i was like actually this is the most amazing picture i will ever take in my life i was very very, I was very, very tempted to steal it and uh, do a thought bubble <laughs> do it which was just going to be along the lines of i love life and i love daisy so much i don't even know if i can stand it that is pretty much the attitude he seems to have nowadays so you're not too far off the truth so yes have a very very happy fur family yeah they are awesome and he loves being on the internet and sharing his fun life with the eccentric earth family so go and follow us and look at gohan because he's adorable and if you want to write into us to give us feedback about gohan or even about the show if you want our email address is eccentric earth at outlook.com we're on all major podcast providers and youtube so go and subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes did you know that Mike Pence has a bunny? Yes, Marlon Bundo. That's the. I was. I was thinking. I can't think of the name. What's the <laughs> name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a good uh, last week tonight. Last about week tonight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say. I'm, I'm pretty sure that you would have seen the episode, but if not, you should watch it. <laughs> yeah, we we love bunnies, and and yes. they use Marlon Bundo to get a dig in at Mike Pence and his massive homophobia. So it was good. Yeah. Well. Thank you for joining me, Han. Um, hopefully we can get you back on another episode some point soon. Um, I don't know when it's going to be, but we'll see what we can do. Um, are you being silly because we have to come back and do the third part of this? We don't have to. We can leave it where it is. <laughs> we can just leave it as a cliffhanger. Yeah. And nothing was heard of him again. Yeah. We'll bring it back around for like, episode, for like 10 episodes later or something, you know. no obviously Hannah will be back next week well not next week Monday and we're gonna finish off John McCain and I just realized finish off John McCain sounds yeah (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to I don't want to finish off John McCain in either sense of that in either sense of that statement I meant that we'd finish the story of John McCain the story of John McCain well thank you everyone for listening and we will catch you in the next episode bye Thanks, guys. Bye.